Welcome back to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those still looking for the green screen outlines around an 11-year-old Lindsay Lohan. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 1998's The Parent Trap. I have a brilliant idea. I think we should switch places. I'll go back to London as you, and you go back to California as me. If we switch... They'll have to unstitch us. And when they do, they'll have to meet again, face to face. Honey, you never looked better. Welcome home, kiddo. Dad. Finally. Now, two sisters. Are setting the perfect trap. It seems like it's painful. We're back, Audrey. How does it feel to be back in the saddle for season three? Feels like we had some, like, summer vacation type freedom <laughs> I um, agree. for a second. Um, yes, Audrey just witnessed that even doing the technical setup for this recording today almost made me cry. So, you know, <laughs> that's a strong start to the season. We can only go up from here. Um, and what a good movie to help us uh, make our way up the hill. <laughs> yeah, the summer, the summer vibes are strong. Yes. In this one. It is that, That's what I, I wanted to start the third season with, a summary. Especially one. because in this movie, they go to camp in Maine, and I literally got back from Maine two days ago, so I, I felt the camp vibes very, very strongly. But anyway, let's not get off track here. Let's just get right into the facts. I guess before I get into the facts, though, we hope that your summer is really fun so far and that you're having a good time soaking up the sun being safe when you need to be, that you're vaccinated. Um, we are both of those things, and it's been pretty sweet, we have to say. Or I can only assume that for Audrey. I don't think she's suffering. So, anyway, here no. are the facts. So, uh, The Parent Trap was released on July 28th, 1998 in the outline i accidentally wrote 2998 uh we have not gotten there that would be an interesting adaptation i would love to see though and this movie was directed by nancy myers and this was her directorial debut and she is known for these other movies that she's directed what women want something's gotta give the holiday you know who's in the holiday it's complicated and the intern and she also wrote and produced a lot of other films. And I'm just going to go right into Charles because he's very tied to this. So the person who produced this movie was Charles Shire, who at the time was her husband. So they were a husband and wife duo, controversially. They're now divorced. Um, but basically, when I was looking at all of Nancy's movies, there were a lot that she wrote and produced. And it turns out that all of those were collaborations with her then-husband, Charles. So together, they worked on Private Benjamin, Irreconcilable Differences, Baby Boom, and Father of the Bride. So um, cool empire while they had it. They've both been uh, married and separated, I think, a few times. So that's showbiz, baby, or whatever. <laughs> it happens. 
So the screenplay was written by David Swift, who, according to Wikipedia, uh, he, well, he died in 2001, so that's sad, but he was a screenwriter, animator, director, and producer, best known for writing and directing the 60s film How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, a show that Audrey and I have personal experience with (laughs) from high school. (laughs) Were you the dance captain for that show? I don't think so, because I was young. I was, like, a freshman in high school. But weren't you the only person who could tap? Yeah. <laughs> me and Rachel. Me and my friend Rachel. <laughs> Were you the dance captain for a thing at some point? Probably. I mean, yeah, probably. I might have been. I actually might have been. I don't remember, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you that you don't remember. So, anyway... <laughs> David Swift was the screenwriter, and then Nancy and Charles had some input as well. But apparently, this story was based off of this, uh, like, book, Lottie and Lisa, by Eric Costner. Uh, And it was, like, these girls that were separated at birth meet at camp. I think that's kind of where the story ends, but whatever, it's based on that. Um, And it's also based off the 1961 Disney Parent Trap, and this version, the 98 version, has like a ton of Easter eggs to that movie sprinkled throughout. But to us, I feel like the 1961 version is like so obsolete that it's like I would not be able to clock any of them, except uh, there's moments in the movie where like Lindsay Lohan will like randomly start singing a song to herself and you're like oh okay this has to have deeper meaning like why else would she be doing this and that is true so yeah and the mom the mom of meredith blake that actress is the original mother oh i didn't know that that's cool yeah Mm mm-hmm I have comments about that character, but I will save that for the second half. Yeah. Um, So, Audrey, would you like to read us the plot synopsis and the taglines? Yes. Okay, so the plot synopsis is, Identical twins Annie and Hallie, separated at birth and each raised by one of their biological parents, later discover each other for the first time at summer camp and make a plan to bring their wayward parents back together. A pretty good uh, synopsis, I thought. Yeah, just concise. Yes. Um, and descriptive. And then the taglines, we've got two, which seem pretty obvious, but one is twice the fun. No, no it's one. one. No, it's one oh, tagline. Oh, I thought there was two. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's just one. No, no, they no. They decided on one. And it is twice the fun, double the trouble. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Yes. So, so for the cast, obviously, Lindsay Lohan stars as Annie and Hallie, both of the twins, confusing our entire generation who then grew up to think that there were two Lindsay Lohans, which really just goes to show how awesome she is in this movie. It is like basically impossible to tell that there's not another person in the room with her for a lot of it. Uh, She, this was her first a big part in a movie. It was like, well, they say it's her first movie, but I'm pretty sure it was just like her first big vehicle that she was attached to. Um, And obviously we all know who Lindsay Lohan is. She's the queen of this genre for us, especially. And I do have to say when I was watching this movie, I kept thinking back to the feud between her and Hilary Duff. And I was like, Lindsay's just so much more talented. It's like not even close. Yeah. It's like, not a fair fight. She knew it too. She's like, I'm not engaging. In this. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like Lindsay was that bitch when it came to acting and like having a personality. I don't know. I just think she's so good in this movie. So we have Lindsay. Then we have Natasha Richardson as her or as their mother, Elizabeth James, who I did not know that Natasha Richardson died, but she did die in 2009. She died on March 18th, 2009 from an epidural hematoma after hitting her head in a skiing accident. So it was very like tragic that she died, but she was a stage actress and a screen actress. She was best known for playing Patty Hearst in... Patty Hearst. She was in the 90s version of The Handmaid's Tale, and she was also in Made in Manhattan and The White Countess. I only know Made in Manhattan. She is my Diana. (laughs) (laughs) She's honestly very... She has the vibe of Diana in many ways. Natasha Richardson, that's my... That's my princess. <laughs> That's my princess. <laughs> and she I mean, she's, that title. she's so clearly modeled. You know, her character is modeled yes. after Diana in a lot of ways, I think. Yes. yes, I very much agree. She has that vibe for sure. Yeah. So there's Natasha Richardson as the mom. And then we have Dennis Quaid as dad, Nick Parker. And to me, and I'm pretty sure to like everyone our age... He's, like, only the dad in the parent trap to me, but he was in The Day After Tomorrow and Dragonheart and Soul Surfer, which I'm pretty sure is the movie about Destiny, the surfer, um, who got her arm bitten off. And he was in the 2011 Footloose. This was me just scraping the bottom of the barrel of shit that we would know. But truly, like, Dennis Quaid's existence to me, it's, like, so far out of my demographic that I'm, like, I literally don't know what he's in. Yeah. It's like he could be Patrick Wilson for us, but he's not. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love him so much. I can't wait yeah. until we do a movie with him in it. Like, I will lose my goddamn mind. If we do the Phantom of the Opera episode, I, like, don't even know, like, where to begin with everything about that we okay if you want the phantom of the opera episode let us know it's just gonna be us like shrieking yes which honestly that good next up we have elaine Hendricks, who plays meredith blake the hot lady new wife fiance whatever she was in romeo and michelle's high school reunion she was also in dynasty and in inspector gadget lol then next up we have Lisa Ann Walter as Chessie, who is on is my favorite character in this movie by a long shot. She's great, even though they're all really great. But she's my favorite. Um, I just had to say when I looked up pictures of her, like to compile information about her, she was totally unrecognizable. I like didn't even know who I was looking at. Not in a bad way. Like she doesn't look like botched or like emaciated or anything. She just looks super different. Uh, but she also was in Bruce Almighty, Shall We Dance, and War of the Worlds. And she also was like a judge on a stand-up comedy show. No, it was an impersonations show that was like a reality competition type thing. So this bitch must be good at impressions, but we didn't get to see that. And then last but not least, we have Simon Coons as Martin, who's the butler. And 
He doesn't really have many credits to speak of. His Wikipedia page was literally like four sentences, which was sort of jarring. But he's a stage actor. They said something about how in like 2017, he was in this production at this theater in London and got like good reviews for that. But he's just like a man living his life. And he's great. Well, you know what I saw? What? That he originally auditioned for this film for um, one of the, like, super, super, super minor roles. Like, just a role that had, like, two lines or something. Oh. And then they liked him so much that they they were like, oh, we'll cast him oh. as the butler. So, this, that's cool. Fuck, I have things to say about him, but I will save it for the second half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's pretty much the cast. Audrey, would you like to take us into these numbers? Yes. So the budget for Parent Trap was fifteen million. The box office opening weekend made eleven million one hundred forty-eight thousand four hundred ninety-seven, and the overall worldwide gross is ninety-two million one hundred eight thousand six hundred fifty-nine. So they're good. You know, it's Disney though, to be expected. There was an 86% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, and the critical consensus is writer-director Nancy Myers takes the winning formula of the 1961 original and gives it an amiable, modern spin, while young star Lindsay Lohan shines in her breakout role. <laughs> is it amiable? Yeah, you said it right. Or amiable? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll read these just because I picked them kind of for a reason. So then the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was 70%. And I just picked a handful of uh, reviews, user reviews to read. First one, someone said, this is a pretty good movie. Then the next one, beautiful, sentimental, memorable, and tear-jerking, period. Which I thought was funny too. Then we have... This is what, ex okay, no, no, no. Well, first of all, then the hater train pulls in. This is what exceedingly wealthy producers in 90s Hollywood thought divorced families are like. It trivializes motivations that lead to divorce, treating the breakup of a family and hiding a twin sister on the other side of the world as a quirky happenstance. On top of that, it encourages children to indulge in the unrealistic fantasy that they can get their parents to forget why breaking up was the best path forward under the circumstances. You are better off with Mrs. Doubtfire, the Santa Claus, even Liar Liar, which understands, which understood the importance of emphasizing the parents' love for their children rather than belittling divorce as some messed up way for rich assholes to F around in glamorous fantasy land at the expense of their daughters. So that person had feelings. And then last but not least, I really appreciate Lindsay's acting actually. And the costumes are charming. By the way, I love the plot and background. <laughs> I feel like with this movie, it's just like if you have personal experience or like you, you've you recently been through a situation like this or like you've been divorced, your parents were divorced. Like I could see it being just annoying. Yes. Um, annoying to those people. But it's like it's like it's not to be taken that seriously. Not, <laughs> but at, all. not at all. For the gossip section, I just took things from 1998 in general, because it was actually weirdly a lot. All right, so for the gossip of 1998, we have Sonny Bono of Sonny and Cher dies in a skiing accident. Um, NSYNC, I Want You Back came out. Um, Grease closes on Broadway. <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that 98 was the year that killed Greece on Broadway. <laughs> um, 
David Beckham and Posh Spice got engaged. Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys passed away. Hedwig and the Angry Inch opens off-Broadway, and Britney Spears begins recording her first album. And just to get the record straight, I put that Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys dies because I don't know if we have Beach Boys fans in the audience here. I'm There's enough gays in here. There's got to be a few. So Carl died, which is sad. And then there was one thing I saw that I thought was really interesting and I didn't know about. So in 1998, there was this documentary at Sundance that was about the death of Kurt Cobain. And basically, there were people in the documentary implying that they believed that Courtney Love was, like, partially responsible for the death of Kurt Cobain, which was, like, very, very, very much a hot topic at the time. And apparently it was so controversial that it got removed from Sundance altogether. And I guess that Courtney Love was like, this movie makes illegal use of whole songs and... uh Nirvana songs. And so she got it taken out. But the most spicy part is that Courtney Love's own father insinuates that he thinks that she was involved in the death of Kurt Cobain in the documentary. So just some documentary drama, you know, that's something we would be interested in. So that was what was going on in 1998. Quite a moment. I was three. Audrey was one, maybe even six months, depending on when you're talking. (laughs) So... When we saw this movie, or I guess, what what are our first memories of this movie? Audrey, would you like to go first? I have no idea when I saw it the first time. Um, and I don't, oddly, even though I've seen it, you know, maybe like 10 times in my life, I don't have much associated with it. Like, I, I don't know why. Yeah, well, I think that's because we saw it not that many times and when we were like a little bit older because I'm pretty sure the first time we saw it was when it was airing on Disney Channel like in the same way that like a decom would be airing just like to fill up space basically on the Disney Channel I just remember thinking it was really long which I know is really refreshing and shocking coming from me (laughs) and that Meredith Blake was a bad bitch and that Lindsay Lohan's really cute yeah and that was pretty much it Mm -hmm. When was the last time you watched it, do you think? Probably a while ago. Probably, like, maybe middle, high school? Sometime in high school, probably. Basically, what that means is there's much to dive into in our analysis. So... If you have not watched The Parent Trap, go fire up your Disney Plus and clear two to two and a half hours <laughs> of your time, including pausing, uh, to watch it. And honestly, well, I shouldn't give you my verdicts yet, but go watch it and we will discuss together. We will be back. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? 
These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Okay, everybody, we are back to talk about our takeaways from rewatching 1998's The Parent Trap. Um, lots of good things, some bad things, some notable things, maybe even some problematic things. Uh, but Audrey, do you want to start just by giving us some of your good things? Yeah, I'm just, you know, we are in the absolute depths of cancer season right now. <laughs> and... I am more than vulnerable. (laughs) And, you know, as soon as I'm... There's so many scenes in this movie that are, like, so cheesy and emotional but like <laughs> yes i'm just here for it the the whenever they drop the needle in this movie it's usually very <laughs> it's usually very satisfactory like yes. as soon as it was over i was like this will be do 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 everlasting love <laughs> I do have um, to say, I got teary multiple times watching this movie. Same. And that doesn't happen to me that often. Yeah, it's not surprising for me, but yeah, maybe for you that is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And please continue. Like Martin is so cute. <laughs> like I just Martin is the love of my life. Um, Honestly, ah, oh, fuck. Sorry, I'll stop chiming in, but. The, the just the scene where he picks out the dress it's so good yeah he's like if i had legs like yours i'd wear this slinky number or something <laughs> um, it's good which we will get into that more i'm sure those these yeah. characters um i feel like oh yeah the mom is princess diana she's clearly mm-hmm. modeled after diana at least visually like it, it was very 90s you know and diana was a huge style icon in the 90s so yeah. it makes sense and they're british so that too but she's got a very regal thing going on um i love that in the soundtrack they use there she goes because i love that song <laughs> like great great choice yes. um the line that Meredith says, um, being young and beautiful is not a crime. <laughs> yes. That was very funny to me. And um, also, there was a line. <laughs> the, the It's the line that Meredith Blake's mom says. And I feel like we had a joke about it when we were kids, but I forgot. And then when oh, I heard. Oh, I wrote it down, too. I wrote it down, too. <laughs> Like, oh, <laughs> are you going to say goes, it? When she goes, you may call me Aunt Vicky. Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, like, as, as that scene started, I was like, wait, is this the movie where she says that? Or, like, when a yeah. character says that? And then she did, and I was like, hell yeah. It yeah. hits as well now as it did then. We had a joke about that, but I completely <laughs> forgot. Yeah. 
You may call me Aunt Vicky. <laughs> uh, if you guys have seen that TikTok where like siblings or people who know each other really well will like pick a movie and then they'll go, one of them will go into the other room and pick a line from that movie, the one that they think the other person will say. And then they go into the room with the other person and see if they say the same line. That is something yes. that Hannah and I need to do. Yes, it is. When next time we are reunited IRL, we yeah. will be doing that for sure. Yeah, we have to remember to do it. I know. Um, I'll have to put it in the put it in the reminders app. Yeah, we'll get there. The Any yeah, other that's, good that's things other than just like the general cuteness of it, and like obviously Lindsay's good, great performance, and like there are a lot of good performances. Um, those are like the things that stuck out to me. Yes. Okay, so the things that I wrote, a lot of them kind of overlap, but I think, like, my overarching uh, good thing about this movie is that I feel like the way that this movie is structured and the way that the characters... Well, no. The way that it's structured and, like, the contents of the movie very much give me the vibe of, like, a boy movie, if it makes mm -hmm. sense, especially in the beginning, like with the premise of the whole thing and like the hijinks aspect. It kind of has like a Sandlot vibe sometimes, which is like very 90s, very loving of its child characters. And I really, really appreciated it for that. Um, yeah, I like I how like the, the girls at the girls camp are like given quote boyish things to do yes also that boy the one boy at the camp that's Lindsay's little brother I know I saw it, that when I was researching <laughs> um I also I mean there's a lot of stuff that I've seen on TikTok too of people talking about how like the camp in Parent Trap was like their gay awakening when they were <laughs> kids and watching it now I can totally see why because it's just like rugged girls fencing and like doing outdoorsy stuff and like yanking duffel bags out of piles so like playing that's poker and playing poker and Honestly, okay, I'm not going to get deeper into this, but the the, the camp was kind of gay. They're yeah. Kids, but it seemed pretty gay, let me just say. But I mean, of course. So, okay, there was that. In general, Lindsay Lohan is such a star in this movie. I cannot get enough of her. She's so cute and so talented. That just goes without saying. And kind of similar to what you were saying, Audrey, about some specific lines, I feel like the screenplay is really strong dialogue-wise. Like, this one line I wrote down, there's actually two lines that really I could not believe were in this movie and that were really good. When Chessie and Annie are talking about um, Meredith for the first time, and Chessie's like, how your father chooses to embarrass himself is none of my business. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. And I also loved when, um, when dad is, like, telling Annie that he's gonna get married to her, to Meredith, and she's like, oh, I've always wanted a sister. <laughs> I know, it's, like, extremely shady. It's so <laughs> shady. It's so shady. It's so good. I wrote that down in all caps with ha 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 afterwards. And then another thing, Audrey, I'm sure this occurred to you in some part of your brain, but the parallels between Meredith Blake and Baroness Schrader are yes! so strong. I wrote that down. I actually wrote yes. that down. 
Yes, like when she, like the part when she's in the golf cart and her assistant is like ice queen and she's like, yeah, I'm shipping them off to boarding you school. Ever I'm heard like, this is of a little thing called boarding school. <laughs> like, this is Uncle Max and Baroness Trader, like yeah. to a T. Like, this is it. Sound so of music, a, if you're yes, not this aware. This is a niche sound of music reference to those <laughs> uninitiated. So, those are my good things. Shall we get into the bad things? Yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, I can clearly, very clearly see the stand-in's face in quite a few shots. Yes. Um, which is fine because they're not close-ups or anything. But, and typically you won't notice, but like I noticed every time I was like, that she just fully, it was especially bad at 29 minutes and 44 seconds. Is that when they were on the dock? No, that's that one is bad. But this is when this is at the end of the scene where they're in the isolation cabin and okay. they're laying in the twin beds next to each other. It's the last shot oh. of that scene. It's so it's like that's just literally another person. <laughs> I didn't notice it. Yeah. Um, I'll have to go back and check. Yeah, she's visible in a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I don't like in children's movies or in any movie is when people are using crossing their fingers too much. Oh my God, I wrote that down too. It's like, why is that such a thing? It was such a thing in this era. Remember in The Little Mermaid too? Yeah. I don't get why that's such a thing. One thing that I felt was just kind of odd or like characteristically inconsistent (laughs) is... Why does the dad even want to marry Meredith? If he oh has my God. if he has the good taste to like Elizabeth and like want to be with her and have children with her, like why would he ever marry her? It doesn't okay. make sense. Like he, his yes. character motivation is not there. Okay, yeah. C- can I chime in on that really fast? Yeah, other than just being shallow or something. Which yes. if if that's okay. what it is, then what? <laughs> he he, okay, dad in this movie gets away with being so shitty. He has no personality traits other than liking wine. Yeah. And they are very much like, oh, she's, remember the, okay, like the scene when Lindsay Lohan's like, oh, you're young and sexy and fun. Like, wh- like who's who could blame a man for loving you? I know, you? And, I was like, like who says that about their yeah. own father? <laughs> well, like, that was the whole thing is like, I feel like she played it off like it was tongue in cheek, but then like no one ever actually holds him accountable for it. So yeah. like, that's the only logic it falls back on. So he has no traits and I did not, I don't like his character at all. Like, I feel like he just gets by with having like the bare minimum and everything. And also, okay, no, I'm just going to leave that for now. I have more things I'll say. Please continue with yours. We've discussed this many times on Sleepover Cinema, but we've got Chessie and Martin, who are pretty gay-coded, honestly, in their own individual ways. And so we've got the trope of, like, the gay-coded secondary characters who get together for no reason. Like, it reminds me of Lily Moskowitz. Yes. And in uh, The Princess Diaries 2. And it oh reminds God, me yeah. of... Um, odd, oddly, I wrote down Gossip Girl, but that's not true. But I was thinking of um, Vanya and Dorota, but that doesn't count because they're not really gay-coded. But Right. Um, still, like, they will... 
media will put together the like the help type characters, like the maids mm-hmm. and the butlers of the world. But in this particular case, it's like they just didn't like, do I think they would be besties? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I saw a tweet about this pairing recently that was like, people say that male f- people say that male female couples can't be queer when this yeah. couple is standing right there. <laughs> yeah, and that I found really funny because the thing is, they do seem like they would be besties, but like the attraction is a little random. It's not right. It's not right at all. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I kind of feel like Chessie comes off as bi. More yeah. than she comes off as lesbian. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, yeah. it's like regardless of like how coded they are or whatever, it's just not believable. <laughs> yes, I agree. Any other things? Last thing, I think the camp section could be severely cut down. Do you mean the beginning camp or the no, later no, camp? The camping in the Yes. Because um Basically, the entire arc of the story plays out, and then you've got this, like, fourth act that gets rid of Meredith's character in a very, like, stupid way. And I feel like (laughs) that could have been rewritten to be something else, like, another reason as to why she leaves, or just cut it down because it's, like, unnecessarily long after the full arc basically plays out. You know the parents are going to get back together. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I actually wrote down the same thing that I feel like that whole section could go because the only point of it, it, like, the only point is to get rid of Meredith and in the process, it makes every other character look like such an asshole. Like, the girls are horrible to her. Also, there's Sound of Music parallels there. Yeah. And... The dad does absolutely nothing to help Meredith not get, like, bullied by that. I know. I actually, that I skipped it because I was like, oh, maybe this is too mean. But I wrote down in the worst category. I'm like, why are they such bitches? <laughs> they are bitches. They are bitches. Like, they're I mean. Totally they're and so mean. They're, like, speaking out of turn in a really crazy way. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I would never, but good for you. I totally agree. And also about that fourth act thing. So I think it's kind of, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Mostly it's a bad thing because I don't like long movies. But I do feel like the fourth act being there gives it this really like old timey, like epic feel almost, you Mm -hmm. know? Like you're at that part and you're like, wow, remember when they were at camp in the beginning? Like, remember? Like it feels like like a more sound of music type of movie in its length. And it kind of makes me wonder if the original movie was really long too it probably was yeah um so i kind of thought of that yeah it it has like a a more classic cinema like like feel feel to it and i can appreciate that but only if the arc calls for it but like they they end the arc at the end of the third act and then the o- like the only reason they go camping is to get rid of Meredith. So, as a character, right. also just like the logic for that whole part doesn't make sense. Like them, them being like we're like them like trying to dupe their parents. It's just confusing. Yeah. Okay. Can I do my bad things? Yeah. Okay. So I don't have that many at all, but I do think that the thing, the fact that the thing that makes Annie and Hallie finally put together that they're twins is the (laughs) photo. (laughs) 
it's like, okay, if you look exactly the same, your parents are divorced and you have the same birthday, isn't that enough? And I, I wouldn't even need any of that. If I saw her... And felt it? You would know. If you right. saw somebody who literally was an exact clone of you, you would know. Yes. So <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> there were a couple lines actually in the beginning for Lindsay Lohan that were very much like precocious in the way that it sounded weird coming out of an 11 year old's mouth. And like, I kind of get that that's like Hallie's thing. Yeah. Which I, most of the time it's pretty endearing, but there was one line that just, just screamed an adult wrote this, which was when Hallie's going to cut Annie's hair and Annie's like, a 13 year old is about to cut my hair or an 11 year old is about to cut my hair. I'm like, what 11 year old would say that? <laughs> yeah, they you don't know? have the like, per- they feel grown up. Like that doesn't feel yeah. um, like overtly childish to them. Yeah. Well, and I was also thinking like, if you were a 16 year old and you let your 16 year old friend borrow your car, you would never be like, oh, a 16 year old is yeah. borrowing my car. Like that just, I that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, I... Thought that the piercing scene was really hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Um, just we leave that there. I thought that the fact, I was just wondering about the circumstances production-wise around the cover of Here Comes the Sun instead of actual Here Comes the Sun. They probably like, just couldn't get it. But it was like a cover that sounded so much like the original. I just thought that yeah. was interesting because I'm sure they had to pay a shitload even for the cover. Well, it's like a common dupe, you know, like, yeah, like as I'm currently going through, sadly, with my film. Um, yeah. If you can't get the rights to the actual master recording being the Beatles recording, their actual right. recording, you can try to just get the rights to the melody and the like arrangement. So you're getting the rights to the song, just not the official recording. So yeah. that's that's what it seemed like what happened. And they have that Abbey Road moment, and it's like, right. like funny. Did um, you wait? So for those who don't know, this documentary that me and Audrey, but mostly Audrey, has been working on for a million years is this show choir documentary. And Audrey is currently in the process of trying to get rights to a bunch of these like 80s rock songs that are in one of the choir's shows. And so has it been easier or harder for you? trying to just get, like, melody rights and not, like, original recording rights? It's a lot easier. If uh, if I was trying to get master recording rights, I would have to offer a lot more, and it also just probably wouldn't happen. Right. So the fact that it's only um, a portion of, like, the publishing rights is very mm-hmm. helpful. Is that, me. like, the technical term for it? In my case, you're contacting however many publishers there are who own a portion of the song because a lot of times, this is so complicated, but a lot of times um, song publishing rights will be divided up against however they decided to do it. So it's Mm -hmm. like literal percentages. They can come up with any variation of percentages they want and you have to go to each and every one of those people (laughs) and Mm -hmm. ask um, for their permission. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Good to know. And now you've all learned something about actual film today, people. (laughs) film production back to the movie um i thought it was a coincidence that was a little bit beyond comprehension that they both went to the same camp and that just happened but at the same time it's kind of defensible because they're both clearly extremely wealthy yeah so this was probably like the premier camp for girls in maine and whatever 
Yeah, I could see it. I wish there was like a drop more context for why Hallie or why Annie went to camp in America, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, there's a really, really bad drawing on the wall of mom and Annie. Did you notice that? No. It's the scene when she's packing to go on the trip. There's this like horrendously bad like pencil drawing that's like framed and like hung over the fireplace. And it looks so <laughs> horrible. And that amused me. I also just thought that like the unacknowledged wealth of both of the families. Yeah. Kind of going back to the thing was like a little bit weird. Like I wish that they would have acknowledged it a tiny bit more because they're both clearly like fabulously wealthy. But they kind of, like, infer that they weren't born rich, which is interesting. Did they infer that? Yeah, because it's they don't say, it's nothing like we were, we had no money growing up, but, like, when it's just the scene of, uh, what's their names? The parents? Uh, Elizabeth <laughs> and Nick. Yeah, when it's yeah. just them and they're, like, warming up to each other, she's like, well, it looks like we both got to where we wanted to, like, we both, like, reached for the stars type of thing. Right. I mean, pretty fast also. Yeah. Which kind of leads me to my last my last thing, really, is why did they get married in the first place? It doesn't really seem like they were married based off of the way that they act and the way that things fell apart so quickly. I feel like well, that's just very, like, dated. They portrayed they it. They portrayed it like almost like shotgun wedding ish. Like it kind of reminds it kind of reminds me of um like the Princess Diaries, like uh Mia's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, true. It, it's like they were really young, they were being stupid, you know, they were too young to like make that decision. So <laughs> I can literally hear the voice of Mia's mom being like, I was young. Like <laughs> she goes, in the kitchen. She goes, I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Oh, God. What a great movie. Okay. And then my last bad thing was after the parents finally make out at the very end, the way that they just like <laughs> hold their faces next to each yeah, other. Yeah. I was like, like their you mouths got, like, almost touching. Four people standing there watching you. I know. And they stare, they focus on it for such a long time. I'm like uncomfortable. So, okay. That was my bad things. And then I have notable things that are just like small little things but maybe let's just do problematic first i have very few things if i can just go real fast or do you want to go no you go okay so this movie has aged actually extremely well there's very little of anything that has kind of soured Again, it's Disney, so they tend to do a pretty good job of not doing that, at least post, like, 1980. Yeah, I feel like with these movies, it's more it's more of just what you don't see. It's yes. not what you do see. It's that the world is so affluent and white that, like, there's not yeah, even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it is inherently... It, it, it is, like, inherently not inclusive. Yes, but you I don't did. see anything in the world that would cause you to have, like, a deeper thought. So. Yeah. You know, I actually did have that thought, like, because I wrote down that the camp is, like, really, 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 really white. Yeah. Um, which, like, it is in Maine. And, like, it is, like, waspy, northeastern, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but... I was like, damn, there is literally not a drop of melanin to be found in this entire place. And it's one of those movies where I feel like, 
you watch it as a white kid and you're like, this is what normal is like. And yeah. that that is just kind of like fucked up, obviously. Yep. And really, other than that, I already said that the dad isn't held accountable for anything. They're really mean to Meredith. And they also say gypped, which is, like, not a fully canceled word yet, but, like, it's definitely on the path to being one. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it was pretty much fine. Yeah, that's all I wrote. All I wrote was... No way Meredith is 26. (laughs) Oh my God, right. I'm about to be 26 and I did write down, damn, I'm almost the age of Meredith Blake. Yeah, but like she does not look 26. Like she looks like maybe like 33 or something. Like, Yeah. Well, you know, I also was a little bit like, like I thought the fact that she was 26 made it like actually a little bit less gross because it's mm-hmm. like how old is dad supposed to be? I feel like dad is supposed to be like 38. Yeah, like yeah, 40ish. Like it's is it is it an age gap? Yeah, but it's not like it's not like she's not a fresh adult. Like she's been an adult for a hot minute. Well, and she's also, like, as you said, she's not, like, a young-seeming 20s. No, like, she she seems like she's, like, 38, too. Like, she doesn't seem young. And they don't portray her as stupid. So, like... So, like, she's not being taken advantage of. No, she's just trying to get hers. Like, please. Yeah. Also, just, like, the whole... And the whole gold digger thing, it's like, come on. Like, she's rich. She doesn't need it. Yeah, I will say that the villainizing of Meredith is a little problematic. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if anything, like, she was honestly just trying to live, and it could have been totally fine, but Hallie and Annie had to, like, force quit the entire thing because it wasn't what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a good match, but, like, maybe it is a good match because clearly he's stupid. He's stupid. He's so so stupid, yeah. Like, he's stupid, and... Yeah, like, the, like, morality of the whole thing is not the best. But, of course, you know, there are many kids out there who have had, you know, I'm sure that sort of dream or, like, urge. Like, what if I could get my Mm -hmm. parents together? But only in the situation of, like, they haven't witnessed. Because, like, Hallie and Annie have never seen their parents together. So they don't understand the reasons. Right. But yeah, like, I think it's an urge that would be, that is, like, interesting to play on. Um, but it it's so idealistic and unrealistic. Yeah, I agree. So all of my other notes, we actually kind of ended up organically hitting, but do you have any other things about it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think Elizabeth is too good for Nick. (laughs) Yes, I 100% agree. Oh, I also have one tiny thing, which is when Hallie, or not Hallie, when Annie is like, you guys have a butler? No, Mm -hmm. no. Fucking whatever. The American kid is like, you guys have a butler? And she's like, yeah, he, he, he. And she's acting as if that's like a totally foreign concept, but she has a (laughs) butler, basically. It's just not called that. (laughs) Like, it's the same thing Uh, that I just thought was funny. And I also thought it was funny in the beginning when she was like, it's scary how no one stays together anymore. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, this is another adult line. No one stays together anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So... Did we think this movie is good? 
I mean, I didn't have any grand like realizations or anything, but it's still yeah. cute and um, still has some great needle drops and still <laughs> has a really cute Lindsay performance that deserves to a place in the Hall of Fame, the All Stars yeah. Hall of Fame. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I actually enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I enjoyed it about as much as I expected, just because I know that whenever I watch a movie with Lindsay Lohan in it, I am going to be entertained and I'm going to be fed. Yeah. Um, she never disappoints. And I think if anything, like looking at it as just the beginning of a career for Lindsay Lohan, like how like shiny and exuberant and really unbelievably talented she was and just like everything that befell from there it is sobering yeah but you know i really hope that lindsay makes a comeback because she is like she could have well okay i don't know if she could have but i wish that she could have ended up doing like emma stone or like jennifer Mm -hmm. lawrence type roles like i just feel like she would have been better than anyone i mean that's where she was headed yeah. That's where she was headed. Like, imagine some sort of, like, A24 return vehicle for her. Like, yeah. I would cry. It would be so good. It would be so powerful, and it's so dumb that... I Well, I, also, she's in a very different place in her life now. Right. She, she's I don't really, really know what she, she's up to now. She really, really values her privacy. She doesn't even live in America um, right. most of the time. I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and she just... She's not the person that people would want her to be. And I think her having the control of her environment now and her privacy is, like, the best thing that could have possibly come out of her life at this point. Like, if you can't have your personal peace, then, like, what's... Like, what's what's anything? It's, it's like, being exploited, you know? Yeah. So, it would be great if she could find the right opportunity and want to do it for herself. And I think yeah. she does, but we'll see. Should we try to write and sell a Lindsay Lohan return vehicle? A comeback Probably. vehicle? <laughs> Probably. It has to be a very meaty role. Yes. And she has to be able to, like, fly in to some location, shoot it in, like, six weeks, and then just, like, go back from where she came. Yeah. We could make that happen with our huge uh, amounts of connections and money. Yeah, clearly. I'm on it. <laughs> let's let's get the Gmail fired up for that one. <laughs> LindsayLohan at gmail.com. <laughs> we have a deal for you. Please respond. <laughs> LindsayLohan at yahoo.com. <laughs> if I wish it was that easy, I really do. Yeah. Um so, last thing, is this movie worth rewatching? Is it worthwhile in general? I think absolutely yes. This was probably one of the movies I have enjoyed watching the most that I didn't have like deep childhood attachments to. Mm-hmm. It was great. She's so good. And uh, Chessie and Martin really round out the cast when the parents are being ridiculous. Yeah. I agree. They bring it back to reality. They do bring it back to reality. (laughs) So, uh, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Yep. Cool. So, 
We will be back next week on Thursday with a brand new episode for you. As always, well, we have a very long running list of movies that you guys want to see, but you can always let us know what you want. Um, We have some interesting things coming up this season, including uh, I'm about 90% sure that we will be doing a live episode at a podcasting conference that I will, uh, that will announce <laughs> later um, in a few months and it will be vaguely spooky themed. And it will also probably be a spooky experience for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you guys listening live in Arizona, you gotta come. Let, let us know. <laughs> yeah. More details to come on that. Um, but it's our, it's our bougie moment. So um yeah i think that's pretty much it so thank you for joining us again and we will see you next week bye bye you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com if you want to watch our show as well as listen we're on youtube too search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our instagram bio we're on instagram and twitter at tuping pictures and would love to hear from you there we're also on tiktok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.